I had a dream about Alan a couple days ago, and I'm not going to tell you every time I have a dream about him, but it's always a reminder to me to process stuff. It feels like it comes now in enough with enough of a time like pattern. I used to dream about him all the time. And now it feels like when it comes, there's a reason it's coming for me to reflect and think about him and think about me and sort of like where my grieving is. And it's funny that it's happening now because something that I don't talk about all that much, I talk about a little bit, but it's my job. I think I've said before that after Alan died, I threw all of my energy into my friends and my job. And I wish I could tell you I threw it all into eating right and working out. And now I'm a size two and you're all welcome. But no, I threw it into friendship. I threw it into cake and I threw it into my job. I've always loved my job that I have right now, but I would, I treated it as a job. I mean, the children were important to me and have always been important to me, but I would be able to kind of pack it up and go home to Alan and maybe complain and bitch a little bit about what's been going on or like the show's not ready or oh my gosh, being so proud of my kids. But the most part, I would be excited to leave work and go home to Alan because then we'd have a night together. Now he's not here. So everything became about work. I didn't have to rush home for any particular reason. So if a kid needed to go over a scene, instead of saying like, let's talk about it tomorrow. No, let's do it. Let's take a while. I would stand and talk to kids. I would stay late for stuff. I would see things I wouldn't always have had the time to see. I would put the investment and time and energy and love that I would have given to Alan to my children, my children, my students. And it's weird to call them students because I'm not a typical quote unquote teacher. I am. I'm not a typical teacher. I still am a teacher. I keep thinking of that little girl, that Star Wars girl who's like, Obi Kenobi is a teacher. Every time I say that word, I don't work for a public school. I work for a nonprofit performing arts center. So I'm certified in theater education. I have my master's from Emerson. Thank you so much. But I'm not using my degree in the mainstream way. I don't have classes that I teach. You know, I don't have like a prep period. I work kind of an admin day until about 3.30 when I have rehearsals for you name it. It's a little different. And and on top of it, so so they're my students in that like, I'm the teacher, they're the student, that's the role we play. But then also there's a director, actor piece of it because for them the only time mainly that I'm interacting with them is when I'm telling them you know giving them their blocking or and because it's Wolfpack right it's this it's this really cool safe space special place where these kids feel loved and seen and connected to each other and themselves and I play a part in that it used to be in some small way but now it's becoming really big as I'm sort of realizing how important human connection is. I mean, we are on paper a nonprofit organization for, you know, theater education. But but what that means to me is that I'm educating them through theater as the tool, as the process to teach them how to be better citizens of the world, to teach them how to be kind to each other, to teach them how to develop and grow and create and work together and discover all these things that they are going to do anyway as young people doing it through the lens of this creative outlet that they may 
either have or not have at school, but it gives them sort of a place for them to to do whatever they want. To, and they have. They've sent me monologues they've written, spoken word poems, ideas they have for shows, casting choices, all this stuff. They have these brilliant concepts and thoughts, and they're these just amazing young people. And as I've been there more, I've realized how special they really are as a community of kids. And what's hard is I'm developing stronger relationships to them and singular relationships to them. I mean, I love them all as a unit, but there's, there are, I could tell you, pick one out and I could give you my history with them, how I know them, why I love them, who they are to me. And that's really cool and really special. But then there's like the personal aspect because theater is a personal thing. It can't not be. And they are personal in their lives. They're these cute, dramatic kids who come in with their heart on their sleeves every day and have a story to tell me about what happened at school or this final they have to take or who said what to who. And it becomes kind of a social hour that then turns into, okay, let's get to work. Let's do rehearsal. But it's more than just rehearsal. It's more than that. And it's hard to describe, but it's awesome. But as I'm developing more relationships and as they're getting older, I'm realizing that there's this sort of disconnect because I don't know where they stand in terms of Alan, which is a weird thing to say. Like they, they don't need to stand anywhere. But when Alan died, there was an email that went out to the community basically being like, Janine has suffered this loss of her partner tragically, suddenly, please like be kind, be gentle and know she's going through this because I went back to work in two weeks and was directing Willy Wonka kids within that time, like ready, boom. I don't know how that happened, but I did it. And unless a kid tells me that they know, I don't know because the email was kind of giving the ownership and the authority to the parents, right? As they should be saying, you know, you, at your discretion, say what you need to say. If you have, if your child is in third grade, maybe you don't tell her what Janine went through, but just maybe say that Janine's, you know, going through a hard time right now. But if your kid's in high school and you feel comfortable telling them that, go for it. I still don't really know who knows about my situation and who doesn't. And that's been tough because there have been days where I just don't want to do it. I've had really hard days and um, they've had really hard days and their hard days will trigger me. And then we'll just sort of like live in this world, but I can't be the sad one. I can't be the one that needs help and care because I'm the adult and the caretaker, but it's, but it's not a school setting. So we sort of all live in this communal, like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? You check in on me. I check in on you, but I can't lay into, oh my gosh, today was really hard because it's his birthday or like, you know, all that stuff because they're still kids. I'm starting to outgrow that limited view because of a particular child who I adore with my whole essence She's been in my life since I first started working there and she and I have gone through a lot. She's gone through a lot and I've been there with her as much as I could be. And she knows about Alan, but she's been asking me more. You know, I would go to dinner at her parents' house because her mom has just been such an amazing outlet for me. She's taken me to coffee and we've had, you know, just great talks about loss and grief because she's had her fair share too. And we would have dinner. And so I've just kind of had this, like, they're kind of like this family away from my family that includes this kid who I direct and adore and who wants to know more about me. And there's that line because yes, you know, Alan's dead. I don't know what else, you know, because I don't, I haven't told you anything and I'm, you just know it's hard. Right. 
So she's been asking questions and I've been torn because if I'm supposed to be this person who's asking them to emote and create and be vulnerable and inhabit these characters and write their stories and share and yet I'm sort of clamming up, that says something. But at the same time, I'm a professional and I can't be like, here's my life story. <laughs> right? This hasn't really been funny. <laughs> I haven't made a joke yet. I just want everyone to be aware. It's like when my mom reminds everyone what time it is when she goes to bed late. She's like, I just want everyone to look at the clock. Mm-hmm. It's 9.30 and I'm still up because she goes to bed at 7. Just want everyone to know I've been very serious. I've not made a joke. For anyone who says that I can't tell a story without humor, here we are. Anyway, this kid is trying to get to know me on a deeper level. And because there are no rules about getting to know somebody that way, I'm letting her. I wasn't sure how at first. She had asked me a couple questions, but then even she was sort of like, I don't want to pry, but I do. And so I gave her the podcast. I I sent her the link to my podcast. And I was like, look, she's 14. I was like, just so you know, there's stuff in here. That's my personal life. In fact, scratch that. The entire thing is my personal life. I'm talking to an unknown human that is not a 14-year-old. It is just, you know, the other. So I'm not censoring myself. I'm just talking. And so you need to be aware that the person you're going to hear is not the Janine that you hear telling you to go stage left on that line. You're going to hear someone who cries and is angry and swears and talks about dating. And, like, it's going to, you know, just so you know. She's like, oh, whatever, whatever, whatever. She's like, I'd love to. I'd love to. And she listened. And that's where we are right now. Because now I'm like, and, you know, waiting with bated breath about what she thinks about it, because I value her opinion. I value her thoughts. And she's sort of not sure now, which was what, which is what I was afraid of. Not afraid of, but what I, where my hesitation was to begin with. She's not sure how to look at me now. Because to quote her, She said, it's not that I forgot you went through this. It's I forgot you went through this. I forget that it's you that went through this. And the you, I feel, in that situation is not, if she's understanding, is widening. The you is not just the Janine that she sees at her desk making a joke and, you know, eating cheese by the slice from the fridge. It's none of your business. The you is now this bigger, wider, insecure nervous, jokey, yelly, screamy person that is a person, right? It's Janine the human being versus Janine the teacher. It's like that feeling when you see your teacher at the grocery store times like a thousand. It's like if you saw your teacher at like, I don't know, like a cool, I almost said roller skating rink. Yeah, it's like that. It's like when you see your teacher at like a roller skating rink, you all know, right? In 2019, that's that's what it is. Hey, But so she's wrestling with this concept of Janine the person versus Janine the teacher and how far she wants to go in which direction. And it's a podcast, so I'm not talking back to you. I'm, you just hear what I want you to hear and you make your own thoughts, you make your own conclusions. And it is a lot. Like, it's not just, it's not run-of-the-mill stuff. I mean, it's early in the game, so I'm getting it out. I mean, we dove into the night he died. We dove into my dating life. We dove into my anxiety the bullshit that I am dealing with constantly. It's, it's a lot. And she asked to be let in. I let her in. And I don't know if I did the right thing <laughs> because she's a kid still. 
But she's like this mature, sensitive empath who I can guarantee maybe not, maybe she hasn't heard the thoughts I've, I'm having in the way that I'm having them, but she's had them before. She's felt them before. I know her. She's, she's, these thoughts are not new to her. These, this pain, this weight is not new to her. But I'm torn because I don't know if, like, I want to talk about it with her, but I also don't want to be the 32-year-old, like, mentor, friend, teacher who's like, let's talk about my pain and grief. You said you wanted to be let in because that's not, you know, that's not fair. I also, like, kind of wanted to make this episode because she listened as, like, a thank you because she's a really cool kid and also... She, like so many others in my orbit, have done more for me, I've said that before, than I could even, they have no idea. They have no concept of how their faces just lighting up with a smile when they see me or wanting to tell me that their final got canceled or wanting to reach out to me about an idea that they had, what that does to be needed and chosen in that way is really special and I'm grateful to my job because I get to kind of love them in the capacity that a public school may not offer. I get to sit kind of see them in this vulnerable, collaborative, creative light that I wouldn't if they were like tired at 7am and study hall, you know, this dog needs to cool it. So the you that went through it, I forget that it was you that went through it is also something that I resonate with because I forget it was me that went through it. And the version of me that I am when I'm with these kids is not the version of me that I am at home with my friends, with my family, with Alan. But now they're starting to blur a little bit because I'm starting to form these real relationships with these kids. I mean, it's still very much teacher student, but you know, they'll tell me more about themselves as they're getting older, as they're developing, and they're expecting more from me in return. And if they aren't, I still feel like a piece of me is not being totally honest with them. I don't owe them my life story, but if they want to know, and if we want to get down to the heart of certain things, and I'm asking them again to feel comfortable enough to open up to me, then I should feel a little bit comfortable enough to open up to them. I don't know. It's tricky. I feel like I say it's tricky every single episode. But as a teacher, as a teaching artist, as a young teaching artist, you know, I'm only, I'm only 18 years older than these kids, which like seems like an eternity, but I'm young still. I'm 32 and they don't really understand age because I didn't at that age. I felt like all teachers lived in the same space. You were young until you were old. And then you sort of lived in this middle ground of like adulthood. And they're going to get it when they're 32. They're going to be like, oh my God, Janine was only 32. Look at all this shit that has yet to happen or happened to me in that age. You know, it's, you don't really understand it. Youth is wasted on the young, all that stuff. But I'm young enough that they still feel, they see me as like a heightened peer, I feel like. I'm not a maternal figure. I'm too young for that. Thank you. I guess it could be a sister-like vibe, but my relationship to them is authoritative. So unless it's like an older sister 
or an aunt, but even that like gets a little weird because it's not a family. So I kind of feel this weird, but they still see me as someone they can talk to and relate to and, and get advice from, but also just like commiserate with, which I often do is say like, Oh, I've been there. I know what that feels like. I don't have my shit together either. Just yesterday I was feeling insecure, you know, trying to remind them that I'm a human being as well. And those, the facade of a teacher that has everything together I want that to crumble on my terms. I don't want them to all of a sudden look at me and be like, oh my God, Janine's a mess. I would like to tell you that I'm a mess. Let it come from me so you understand it. We can look eye to eye and be messes together. So they see me as someone that they can talk to, at least I hope so. And not and not a kind of an old school marmy teacher. So then I have this huge emotional baggage that I take with me every day that is not their problem, but sometimes will come up. Despite it, for example, we did Romeo and Juliet last fall. I didn't direct it. My coworker directed it, but we auditioned together. So my scenes, my kids were auditioning for my show and Romeo and Juliet. And the scene that my coworker picked was the scene where Romeo f- comes in and sees Juliet dead, which like is a huge pivotal moment of the scene. And it's important to know that the kid you're casting as Romeo can handle it. Little did I know that like, a kid came in and did the monologue of seeing Juliet so beautifully, so brilliantly, so raw and real that I couldn't be in the seat anymore because it was just, I felt it. I mean, like, you know, there's a first for everything. Did I think my first Romeo and Juliet scene after Alan died was going to come ever? No, but here it is. And I'm witnessing this beautiful 14 year old kid, their heart on their sleeve just ripping into this monologue stunningly. And I can't, I'm like, I can't be there anymore because my skin is crawling and it's so real and they're affecting me so much that I just want to run away. And of course my coworker is like, Oh my gosh. And like grabs my leg and it's like, I'm so sorry, which like, that's not a problem. I, I have to be able to handle that. This is what this is. It's a tragedy. It's like the most famous tragedy of all time. But this kid, if I get up and run out of the room mid monologue, what's this kid going to do? This kid's going to be like, oh my God, I was so bad, right? It was so terrible that they couldn't even be in the room or just be really confused. Not realizing, no, actually, it was so powerful and so well acted that Janine couldn't be in the room because it reminded her of when she saw her partner dead in the room in front of her, you know? Which obviously not, that wasn't the time to be like, hey y'all, just letting you know, I'm really traumatized by this moment. This kid is doing a fantastic job, but I'm feeling really raw. If there was a, if there was more conversation about it as a community of, you know, young people and myself, then when those moments came up, just like my coworker clicked, it clicked in her brain and she looked at me and was like, oh my gosh, of course this is affecting you. The kids would also have that knowledge. And so if I did need a second to leave because it wasn't my show to watch and I didn't need to be there and it was affecting me, then they would understand that, which maybe was my job in the beginning. Like maybe I've, it's too late now. Alan died a year and God, 10 months ago. And I could have maybe used the time right away to talk about it, to acknowledge it, to address it. But some, I didn't feel like it then. I didn't want to bring it up. It was too raw and real and it still is, but I'm able to compartmentalize better. So like, do I need to put that on the kids? Like they don't need to feel that, but there are certain ones who want to, there are certain ones who want to be let in, who deal with a lot of trauma and bullshit and grief throughout their daily life anyway. So my stuff actually makes me more human to them, makes me more relatable, helps them understand that I do know what I'm talking about when I tell them that I get their pain. 
and not just like I've had this beautiful life where everything's been perfect and I couldn't possibly understand, you know, that, you know, you just don't get it. Like I do actually get it. So if that helps my credibility, but that's not, again, is that a reason I feel like I'm spiraling? <laughs> Alan's such a huge part of me. I also feel like I'm letting him down in some small way if I don't let him live on in telling people about him and why that shouldn't widen to the kids that I serve my actual job that is so important to me. That is the reason that I do what I, you know, I do what I love. And I used to come home and bring it to Alan and tell him how proud I was of these kids, give him specific examples. He knew them by name, that that sort of gets cut off because I don't want the pain to be included. It feels like, it feels like I'm cutting myself off at the pass, I guess. I don't know the answer. I don't know if it, there is a kind of wide net answer. Maybe it's just per kid. I kind of decide in the moment if I want to let you in on this and if I want you to hold this with me and if you want that. But it's interesting to think about because these young people can handle so much and they do with social media and the, like all the shit that's going on in the world, like they're facing it every day. So for me to say like, you can't handle my stuff is not fair and it's not giving them enough credit, but it's also a professional move to just carry on. But if you do something like Romeo and Juliet, I mean, maybe if I directed Romeo and Juliet, I would have said something that might, that might've been the move because that then is relevant, you know, like then I did Peter and the star catcher, which like, <laughs> it's not relevant to be like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So in this scene, the alligator eats the hand, you know what? My partner died. So I, you know, I really get this scene. Like, I don't know. I'm just grateful for these children every day. And I want to share so much of myself with them. And, and because I'm who I am and I am an oversharer and I'm a talker and I like to tell everyone everything and feel connected. And that oftentimes blows up in my face. I tell people too much and maybe talk when I'm not supposed to or share what I'm not supposed to. And, put my foot in my mouth, but so far I've had more people tell me that they're glad that I share than that they wish I would just shut up. So maybe I should let that be my guy. Should be simple.